a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. Ruggiero Diodato's other film on the Video Nasties list, then uh, Cannibal Holocaust, was actually made before that, but uh, was released afterwards. The House on the Edge of the Park doesn't get the attention of that film, but it's equally as confrontational and quite sensibating. While Cannibal Holocaust only has a few trims, The House on the Edge of the Park has struggled uh, with sensors and even now contains more cuts than uh, than the, the uh, than Holocaust. It's the film's rather cavalier attitude to sexual violence which at its heart. It's a grim horror that escalates and escalates until, much like its protagonist, it loses control. House Dedger Park is made was made well filmed in seventy nine but made in eighty really. And it's an Italian ex- uh, exploitation film starring David Hess, who's from Wes Craven's Last House on the Left, and uh, Giovanni Radisi, who is in his uh, debut role. The entire film is actually shot in three weeks under a very limited budget. Hence the reason why it's got quite limited locations, and uh, including spending plenty of time in that house.
Alex, who's played by David Hess, works as a mechanic, and we're introduced to him as he rapes a woman in the park. Later, a kind of a posh bourgeoisie couple pull into the shop, needing the car repaired. They invite Alex and his mentally challenged mate Ricky, played by Radisi, to uh, join in at the this kind of decadent, over-the-top suburban party. Once he's there, Alex can't stop himself being mixed with rage and excitement and begins to rape and maim people at will in the home. It's a home invasion movie, really, where the invaders have been invited in and Alex has raised us some very misogynistic cutting of a young woman before we find out what's really going on and why. So go ahead. Pick the one you want. I get first choice? I'm your friend, ain't I? I like her the best. So, take her, she's yours. Tell me when. <laughs> Go! I mean, I get first choice? Go ahead! <laughs> uh, I'll take her in one of the bedrooms, okay? Fuck her here, so we can all enjoy the action. <laughs> I can put on a real show, Alex, huh? I got a big one. <laughs> you can take your time. I'll make sure the party doesn't get out of hand. <laughs> you can't really talk about uh, House on the, on the Edge of the Park without discussing lots of themes of rape. Uh, the film opens with it. It has a dubious scene featuring coerced consent at the halfway mark and closes with a woman's naked body being cut with a razor. The script here is probably as out of control as Alex is in places. It's offensive stuff, certainly, for sure, although you're not really meant to be getting off on any of this. Interestingly, actually, in the original shooting script, Alex pulls a tampon from Cindy's underwear before he removes them. Diodato decided against that during the shooting, making you wonder why that it's that thing which is uh, the tipping point in his mind. The film itself is well made for such a limited budget. Uh, Diodato has tight rein on the material, which is undeniably horrible. There are dubious class and sexual politics, Lit of the film's running time, and you're left wondering if the director's direct purpose was just to kind of attack the audience. In that way, I think the film has more in common with uh, Michael Haneke's uh, funny games than any of Wes Craven's efforts, which obviously, it, it, you know, you can see the influences there. Music is provided by Riz Ortolani, and um, he does what he did for Cannibal Holocaust here providing a very calming soundtrack, um, which kind of creates this uncomfortable juxtaposition. In particular, that kind of coerced consent scene with the sex scene in the middle of the film. It's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty grim stuff. And uh, the music uh, does not match what's probably happening on screen. It's a trick to kind of make the audience feel uncomfortable about what, what, what they're seeing, you know, to, to question more. Just for you. 
And did also does some things that kind of like um, drag you out of what you're seeing as well. Um, the uh, the rape at the start of the film kind of flashes to black, and um, you know when when we get to the to that kind of woman being cut with a razor, there's a lot of cuts of just horrified faces to kind of spring you into the action, then slam you back out again to kind of create that discontent. The film's success sits really in how pointedly it wants to offend you. All the attacks are in confined quarters, adding claustrophobia to the horror. This is a violent, dangerous and offensive piece. One that will stick with you. But I think if you remember it's actually meant to make you feel terrible about yourself, you'll probably be fine. We are invited to watch horrid scenes. But in the same way Holocaust questions our desire to, so does this. David Hess was the first choice for Alex because he played a similar kind of villain in Last House on the Left, uh, which obviously was highly successful. Uh, the makers wanted him involved so much they actually gave him half the rights to the film to prefer him to sign up. Hess did. Uh, we wrote much of the dialogue for his character to make the film his own. And uh, in fact, Alex's first rape victim is David Hess's wife, acting under the name Caroline Mardak. Presumably because the film was so rough, they wanted to make sure that the that role was to somebody that they can trust in, a, in not quite such a grim scene, you know, and, and kind of improve the environment for it. Um, Hess is really pr- was really proud of what he'd achieved with the film, and um, rightly so. I mean, he's a, a terrible character in it. Obviously, there's the link with DC as well, who. Um, you know, went on to appear in Cannibal Apocalypse. He's a he's a video nasty. He's regular. Now the film, um, probably, uh, you know, obviously has you know from a money point of view has been influenced by Last House on the Left, and obviously you know you've got the Hess link as well. And it was sold under the name The House on the Edge of the Park to kind of provide that kind of memory between the two. And it's obviously one of the many films that have been given this kind of house title, as it were, to kind of like, you know, jockey up um, a closeness between the two. I mean, you know, um, we spoke about Night Train Murders, obviously, with uh, which was called uh, The Last House on the Left Part 2 in some territories. The Adato said about the film, I thought it was too violent. I make violent films, but softer ones. But this film was full of violence, and that made me uncomfortable. When I met David Hess, I thought that with my direction, I could make him do anything. But when I first read it, I found it quite disturbing. There's an interesting kind of uh, link between everything. I think, you know, uh, obviously there's the the, the, the violence and um, the attempt to kind of uh, shock the audience that we've spoken about as well. There's also some... Um, there's power flips in the room between the kind of, like, the rich couples and the... Um, the violent working class um, pair that are in the room as well. There's a very uncomfortable scene where they all play poker. And um, there's another scene where they're basically kind of like coerced into disco dancing. Um, and you kind of wonder who are the people with the real power in the room. And um, Alex kind of 
goes off the deep end, really. Mainly, well, mainly because he's incredibly violent, he's got the ability to be incredibly violent, but also because he has this kind of, when he sees everything they have, it kind of flicks a switch in him and become, he kind of snaps a bit. It's, um, he definitely changes as a character as we go on. And, um, in the end, I mean, you know, he kind of spirals to the point that he just lashes out with a razor again and again and again. Bam! Boom! Okay. Okay. I'll show you. I'll show you how to do it, okay? Is that what I have to do? She likes. Once you take a shower. Uh, the film was initially rejected for a, a UK cinema certificate uh, in March '81, uh, and it went on the uh, the Video Nasties list uh, when it was revealed that there was a you know a cut you know a version uncut available. It was um, released on a Skyline in October '82. Went straight onto the nasties list in that initial list of July and then July '83, and stayed on the list throughout the panic. Um, a Vipco release was released in 2002, which had 11 minutes, 11 minute 43 seconds cut out of it, basically removing all the sex and all the violence. And then the film was past 18 with only 43 seconds of cuts in 2011. That's the version that's currently available in the UK. The cuts there are to the uh, the naked woman being cut with the razor. We might see more less cuts in the future, but as it stands at the moment, I doubt it. Um, you can get a uncut version of the film from America, from Media Blasters, though, if you want it. And there's been various edits of the film over the years that have been uncut. BBFC actually used the film uh, with academics over in the University of Wales at Aberystwyth to research people's responses to films of sexual violence. And this was the film, one of the films that they chose for that. And I think the reason for that is that it's, um, you know, a kind of a, a bet noir for censors around the world. Because um, it does kind of, you know, it is quite obviously a horror, but obviously, you know, at the same time, highly sexual. In a... In t- uh, 2011 uh, Dread Central website reported that there was a UK production company called North Bank Entertainment teaming up with Diodato and Radisi uh, for uh, like a House on the Edge of the Park Part 2 as a direct sequel. It seems to have stalled though, there's not been any word since that initial announcement. And I'd, to be honest with you, I doubt there'll be much call for that film now. We'll have to see. Um, you know, Diodato obviously kind of Keeps on getting invited to do these these things, and then they not they not really happen. But uh, we'll see. Tell them how I can dance. <laughs> Why should I tell them? Give me your number. Come on, Ricky, show us something. Go, let's see how you really dance it. Woo! 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 Woo!
Okay, just a little bit of feedback. This is from Rob Wilson. He says, hey Chris, I know it's a bit early. Hope your holiday goes well. Posted this on my Facebook page yesterday. Yesterday morning I started watching 1980 House on the Edge of the Park. A minute in and we have a violent rape. Oh boy, this is going to be a tough one. Star David Hess of Last House on the Left fame plays nearly the same creep in this movie. Two working class guys go to a party with some rich people. All involved are crummy after... Are crummy. After a poker game goes bad, David Hess ruins the party with violence and rape. Trapped in a house with two guys holding people hostage, not my kind of movie. It's an ugly movie where a silkwood shower still makes you feel filthy. What helped me though is what helped me through it all was the most of the actors looked bored. If actor David Hess, not the character, had a straight raise to my throat, I would be nervous. While the film contains zero humour, the twisty end made me laugh. A true you've got to be joking moments. Set in New York, but it was actually filmed in Italy. Enjoyed seeing familiar faces with other Italian films. Watched an interview with David Hess. The interviewer asked if the woman who raped at the beginning was his wife. He asked that they not talk about it. At the end of the interview, they talked to her. She admits it is her, but is not thrilled about her involvement. The film was also banned in the UK as a nasty. As always, can't wait to hear your comments, Rob. Well, cheers, Rob. I did have a nice holiday, thank you. Seems like a long time ago now. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, I think that's all that's very, very fair in truth. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. I, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think it's a difficult question when people, somebody asks you, why did you decide to <laughs> use your own wife to, for a rape scene? Um, also as well, you know, yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the, it's a strange kind of film. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of home invasion movies myself, but I think it's so pointedly horrible, and it is really sleazy. And I think that kind of it's kind of aware of that, and it used it to its advantage. I would say. Had an email from Matthew Smith as well. He says, "Hi Chris, I came across your video nasty's podcast after pre-ordering the sequel to Jake West's documentary on the subject, and randomly searching Google on the topic afterwards. I've listened to the intro and episode one on my way to work this morning. Just can't wait. I just want to say how much I enjoyed them and how entertaining I found them. I've watched a few of them in the past and went through a phase of trying to purchase them uncut on modern formats. From a personal perspective, which are your favourites, and what or which do you find a dog shit bad? I plan to list episodes two and three on the journey home tonight." Uh, cheers, Matthew. Um, the Jake West documentary, I've not seen it yet, the, uh, the sequel, but it's getting really, really good reviews. Apparently, it's almost entirely about Furman and um, his um, kind of the power, too much, too much power he had as a censor in the uh, in the 90s. Uh, so I'd be interested to uh, to watch that in a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, there are a fair few duffers on the list, I'll be honest. That's my opinion. Um, for me, you know, I'm not a big fan of slashes, so films like Night School and Pranks really do nothing for me. Although, I, you know, at least Pranks has got an interesting story behind it. Madrigal Massacre is is no fun at all for me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, Blood Feast exists, and why would you try and rip it off? I mean, the ones I'd love beyond the obvious films like Evil Dead, you know, Possession, which I spoke about a lot already, Nightmare Maker, which you know I, I still find surprising that hasn't had a re-release in the UK. Um, and I know I've said I don't like slashes, but The Burning is a great little film, and The Slay is good fun as well. And, uh, you know, The Witch That Came From The Sea is an interesting idea. And then, you know, House by the Cemetery is probably my favourite Fulci film ever. I think the films that had a big influence on me when I was younger 
were probably last house on the left, kind of a holocaust inferno, certainly. And, um, you know, the reputation they had, as much as the films themselves, because of the nasty scare, kind of really got me into horror films generally, but, you know, kind of finding out more about this, this collection of films. So thanks very much for that, Matthew. Thanks, thanks for being in touch. Um, hope you're enjoying it. You, know, you might not even get this far. <laughs> and this is from uh, Jeff from 365 Horror. Hi, Chris. Hope all is good and well. The podcast is keeping me entertained. Some great highlights over the last few months. Loved your frozen screen one. What a bloody crazy film. Anyway, uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters. Just wanted to mention a few things. Surprised you didn't mention Sergio Salvati. The DP makes the difference. As far as I'm concerned, Salvati is the reason Fulci is a success. He just adds real depth and credence to what could have been just another collection of horror films. Salvati, score by Frisi, gore by De Rossi, all makes the perfect combination. Flesh Eaters could have been a gem, could have really knocked it out of the park and really claimed the crown over Romero, but the pacing and script are poor. There is just so many scenes with characters just stumbling around the island doing really unrealistic things which just lose the audience. Just really drags and this is real failing. The script can be excusable, as with most of Argento's classics. It's a real shame as this could have been the greatest Zed flick. Alas for the record, the Beyond and City, Man and Betty are my top full sheet. But Flesh Eaters has a special quality, a romance, which is always what I'll always hold dear. Still have the original VHS nasty too. Really looking forward to House on the Edge of the Park, Diodato's finest moments, apart from Dial Help maybe. Morgan and Hess are stunning, uh, totally top of the game. Not sure how Diodato gets away with, the, the, <laughs> with this really torture, rape and violence. It still keeps the characters appealing. I just checked my review from 365 and a few ways to sum up this film and how I feel about it. This is what video nasties are all about. This is a nasty little film that really shouldn't be seen by society, but deal with the stuff you really shouldn't watch, but can't take your eyes away from it. It's not gratuitous for the sake of it. Every scene has reason and purpose. If you watch one nasty in your life, make it this one. Cheers. See you soon, Jeff. And cheers for that, Jeff. That's fantastic. And um, yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, I... I, I I think it's interesting that we've got two very different kind of views in terms of the film, um, which is always great, <laughs> good opinions. Um, I think certainly, I mean, it's not my favourite, nasty, and I wouldn't say, if, but, you know, I think if you're going to watch one, watch Holocaust, definitely. But um, it is, I mean, as you said, it, it is incredibly well put together in terms of, you know, being horrific and horrible and I think when I say it's, it's out of control I think I mean that in a good way you know it's kind of deliberately trying to make you feel uncomfortable about what you've seen and, and kind of really kind of attack you and um, you know it is that kind of it has a great unpleasantness about it which is which is fab absolutely fab also as well um, Wolf has been in touch once again, um, he's included a, a new trailer for that Dreamlands. If you've been, um, if you've been, you know, watching, um, if you're listening through the through, through the podcast while I've been doing, while the podcast has been plunging along, uh, some people in there have been making a Lovecraftian um, a film, 
and uh, I think it's you know it's obviously getting close to completion now. And he's kind of he sent me a, a link to the uh, a six minute preview really of it, which I'll put on the website for, with a link just so you you've got it. If you go to this version of this film, you know if you go to this entry, I'll put a link on if you want to take a look. Um, the last one looks a bit rough, but uh, this has got a this is definitely you know uh, a real stylized and and very uh, far more impressive. Uh, Film, look and feel to the film. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it now. Uh, initially, when I saw some of the uh, the CG of the of the other world, it looked a bit, uh, but now I think it's uh, it's, it's kind of starting to come together now. Certainly. Right. Well, that's uh, that's that. Uh, we're done for today. I think. Um, thanks very much uh, for everyone who's been in contact. Uh, there's been lots actually. Um, there was just that was just a, a couple of bits really from. Uh, people, be, be, you know, kind of sharing stuff and being in contact with me. It's been really great. Um, yeah, I've really, you know, I'm obviously, you know, two weeks off. And I've got another week off coming at the end of July. So there'll be another break there. I'll let you know when that's coming up. But that's only for one week. And then we'll be playing sail until the end then, until well, probably around Halloween time, I'm guessing, by the time we get this done now. Maybe November time. Uh, good news is everything's really in good shape. Um, we're not like you know, it, it, it's pretty much all sorted now, so there won't be any kind of delays, and the quality should be relatively high. Um, next week is probably like one of the, the last big stumbling blocks in terms of content and quality, and that's uh, Revenge of the Bogeyman, which is that uh, it well half the film is just a flashback scene to the first movie so I'm not sure what we're going to talk about there yet I haven't written it yet so but when we do when I, when I have an idea I'll, I'll let you know so if you want to bring and send any feedback for that film if you've seen it please do <laughs> it'd be a shame to have like a 10 minute episode but anyway uh, thanks very much uh, if you want to get in contact with me please do my email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You can go to the website, videonastiespodcast.com, or you can get me on my Twitter. It's at orange underscore monkey. So, until next week, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.